about your psalms, talk about John 3.16. Austin 3.16 says I just whipped your ass. You can call this the new world order of wrestling, brother. Wrestling Basement here on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Spotify. I'm joined by a good friend of mine, Anthony Gethers, from Brooklyn, a sports photographer. He's on Twitter at Brooklyn Sun, on Instagram at Anthony B. Gethers. My man, how you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Another another day in paradise, right? I hear that. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, man, taking this day by day, we're, we're coming up with different creative ideas, how to be sane and occupied and not bored and um, it, it's crazy, man. So you know, I told you offline that I'm at home, you know, two weeks ago, and I'm like, man, I, I gotta come up with some new podcast ideas. And you know, me and you, me and you are big time fans of wrestling. Mm-hmm. I'm like, man, I gotta do some retro stuff because the, the the new current stuff is cool, but it's not enough for me to really dive in and have a half hour or an hour show. And yeah. you know. You know, I reach out to you and a couple of the people that I know who are big time fans, and I give you topics, and you like, yo, I want to roll with that one. So, first of all, I appreciate you coming on. I know we and you're gonna have a good time. Uh, we're gonna talk about the new generation era that people can right. uh, shit on it. They can commend it. I think I think it's fifty fifty. Depends on who you ask. But right, the first question I ask everybody, or I will ask everybody on this show is what made you become a fan of wrestling was it a match was it a pay-per-view was it you going to a live show was it a certain superstar was it i i don't know i want you to tell me what made you become a fan of professional wrestling to the point where now you have done some photography for the company that's right so what made me become a wrestling fan because um me and my brother, like, me and my brother, like, we we started watching because, uh, like, so when Fox Kids, back in the day, when Fox Kids had the cartoons on Saturday, mm-hmm. after we watched X-Men, because I remember X-Men was the last thing that came on, and then all of because we watched them with our stepfather. Right. And all, all the, the very after X-Men, the shit came on, uh, WWF Superstars. Mm-hmm. And I'm, me, me and my brother was like, what the fuck is this? And next thing you know, we watch it. We're like, oh, shit, there's more violence. All right, mm. cool. Bet. And we got into all the, and like, this shit was going on our minds. to see motherfucking 200-pound men fucking uh, doing all this all this cool shit, flying off the top rope, 
and you know uh doing crazy shit we was like yo we need to watch this shit every every saturday and uh our stepfather introduced that's that was our introduction to wrestling and he was mm-hmm. and our stepfather was like yeah you y'all want to watch more of this we're like yeah hell yeah so you know i've grown up with it even you know going to going to school in 90s brooklyn like outside of basketball like wrestling was the thing to talk about like whether it was uh, whether it was WWE, whether it was WCW, um, like wrestling's been a huge part of my life since since you know since the nineties right. since I was a, since I was a kid mm-hmm. and light up Power Ranger sneakers and diapers like wrestling's been wrestling's been like out of all the sports that I've watched and photographed like wrestling. It's going to be a constant, no matter what. Mm-hmm. So that's that's been my introduction to wrestling. Um, I give you my quick one, which I, I don't mind doing every show. Uh, it was basically the first match that I, I, I saw. I recall seeing was SummerSlam '89. Um, it was a uh, Hogan and Beefcake against mm. Zeus and Macho. Um, I do recall that. I don't, and also on '89, it was the Warrior and Rude for the Intercontinental Championship, um, mm. <clears throat> because Rude won. Rude just won the belt at WrestleMania Five by, by you know right. Bobby Heenan grabbing the Warrior's legs and everything. So, <laughs> uh, you know, be, be being a big Warrior fan, and you know, fast forward the first, uh, the main match that I could say that really made me a fan was obviously our Hogan Warrior WrestleMania Six. Um, right, you know, two good guys in the main event um, for the world title and intercontinental title champion versus champ versus champion, and from that point on, and I was just like, yo, I gotta watch this every single chance I get. I had to buy the shirts, the action figures, the the, the ring. I know we all have gotten that at some point when we were, we were uh, yeah. kids, and from that point on, I, I probably had a. I probably stepped out of it once or twice here and there when I got older, but then, you know, it, it'll always gravitate back to me. Um, I may not be the biggest fan as I was back in the day, but I watch it. I, I, I engage in it. Uh, may not be the, the the super fan when I was a kid, but still right. a fan regardless. But I would say Warrior and Hogan for me at WrestleMania 6 was the one that, that really got me going. Mm. That's, that's dope. Uh, it was for me. It was Brett and Sean. I don't know what it is about '90s kids, but Brett and Sean was it. Mm-hmm. Like outside of watching WWF superstars, Brett and Sean. Brett and Sean was that match because right after that, we we was getting ready to head into the into the Attitude Era and mm. just that just that time period. Like when it was cool, when it was it was cool to be a rebel. That like it just so happens. I'm born right when that when everything started to take off mm. okay so how old are you man I'm well now I'm 30 now I'm 30 okay well I'm, I'm 36 <laughs> oh, see I'm in the 30s I'm finally in the 30s club so. ah, congrats man congrats um, so yeah man I got you here for one reason one reason only and that is to talk about or to revisit the new generation era. So, uh, before we really get into the more downs 
than ups of that era. I do want to I do want to give credit where credit is due because you know a lot of fans or, or purists will hear new generation and be like, oh, it's terrible time and they didn't make enough money or a lot of money like they used to. It was a down right. period. I know we and you would get into that, but I do want to say this. I do want to say that. And um, you know we'll we'll dive into it later. But this era, as you mentioned to me offline, it really created new stars heading into that heading into the Attitude Era. So we go we we go away from the eighties, the muscle bound, brolic type people uh, with five moves to now younger, smaller, high more high flying action. Um, mm-hmm. This era did birth a lot of gimmick matches like the Iron Man match and the Buried Alive match. Um, shit, they, they even they even gave birth to Hell in a Cell and casket mm-hmm. matches. Um, King of the Ring, you know that was a pay per view until maybe '02. The the Boiler Room Brawl, Hollywood Backlot Brawl, um, even gave the winner of the Royal Rumble the chance to go against the champion at WrestleMania for in the main right. event. So. Before we shit on the, the, this this era to a degree, I do want to point out that this era also gave birth to a lot of things that are still existing today. Yeah, like I, I don't know, like me, I I enjoyed that era because I me I'm I'm a I like chaos. I like chaos. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I just I just like chaos. Like <clears throat> seeing seeing like for example like with the King of the Ring, mm. that was my first time seeing like a tournament of that magnitude you know what i'm saying like because often in sports we don't we don't often see a whole lot of like even in even in fighting sports yeah they like i feel like with wrestling like because during that era they they also set a lot of standards for a lot of for a lot of uh sports we see today like the king of the ring who would know who would have thought you get a group of wrestlers to participate in the tournament to really see who's the best in the ring and using that tournament to catapult catapult guys like Austin, catapult guys like Brett, catapult guys like Triple H. Like this this tournament, this idea of this this tournament mm-hmm. in American wrestling, particularly the WWE, at the time the WWF, like a tournament of that magnitude, like... That's pure to me. That's pure chaos because it ain't just like all right, yo. We're just gonna this is gonna be a regular, you know, one on one match where we set the feud up and everything. They like all right, mm. we're gonna bring we're gonna bring a little bit more legitimacy to everything. You know, even like like I said, the, the Hollywood back, blah brawl. That alone set set the standard for uh, all all the brawls we see today. You know, yeah. Um, you know, just like that era, that era because they and, and I appreciate the era because again, you know, not having, not having guys that are you know muscle bound and like they look like they look like great gods, but they do. That mm. you had you you had guys that look like like um like like um a mix between basketball players and and football players. You had a mix of different athletic builds and different styles, so. You know, having those guys, they really, they really, because they didn't have like the, the over over the top uh, physiques, mm-hmm. they brought other shit to the game, like character, charisma, um, edginess, you know, like, again, like, you're going to hear a lot of wrestlers when they, 
whenever they you ask them what's their favorite wrestler from that era, it's always either Brett, mm-hmm. it's always or Sean. Yep. You know, between those those two guys, you know, they and then you know you had Austin during that era. Those guys with that edginess, with that with that uh with that charisma, you know, that like I'm, like the new generation arrow, like we are gonna shit on it because there's a particular guy. Like it was like, yeah, but like the new generation arrow, <laughs> new generation arrow was definitely I, I thought it was one was was a good was a good uh, era for WWF right. WWE. I think, in my opinion, um, you know, the end of the golden era, which is you know the Hogan's and the Machos and Warriors and yeah. stuff like that. Um, to me. Uh, in my opinion, the beginning of the end of that era was WrestleMania eight, and you can start seeing the the, the trend turning or the tide turning where it's like, yeah, we still got Hogan. There's a mix of Macho and this Flair in there, but you start seeing more of the Undertaker. You start seeing Brett in there. You're seeing Shawn Michaels. You're seeing a different kind of uh, cast of characters, and to me. The definitive end of that golden era was SummerSlam 92 because after that, there is no Hogan. I know we get Hogan a little way later on mm-hmm. in, in, in 93, but Hogan's gone. Uh, Warrior's gone. Macho is like a, a an announcer on TV. There's, mm-hmm. no, there's no Andre. There's no Piper. There's no DiBiase. I think he was a manager. So you start seeing the old guard not being there no more. The, the, the people who were, were responsible for making a lot of money for the company and this wrestling boom in the mid, uh, mid to late 80s are no longer there. They're older now. And it's like, all right, now who, who we got coming up next? And right. that's where this new... That's where this new generation era comes in with guys like Brett, Shawn Michaels, uh, Diesel, Razor Ramon, uh, Undertaker, Owen Hart, um, Yokozuna, even Goldust, the Bulldog, Sid, later on, Austin Rock, the 123 Kid, Mankind, Triple H. And you look at that roster, you're like, wow, like, like damn. Like, for those who, who, who wanted shit on that era, be like, damn, like, this era really birthed Yo. a lot of, like, 20-year veterans. Yeah, like... Yo, like just like that, like like when you, when when we hear those names and we look at that roster, like on paper, anybody be like, ah, yeah, not not. Really. But when you look at when you look down that roster from the new guard, like from Brett all the way down to the Rock, you like, oh shit, mm-hmm. oh shit, what's going on? And man, them guys, them guys were hungry. Like, yep. They they and they and they they made they 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 held it down for me they I think they held it down especially the main players you know once once that once once you know the old guard had left between Hogan and everything being the fact that these guys didn't have they didn't they brought like a totally different package as far as mm-hmm. how they wrestled how they looked um how they spoke it wasn't. It wasn't like the way they spoke wasn't contrived. Like you could identify with with any any amount of those guys. Like a Brett, identify with him. You know, he's like you know who some consider he's like Jordan. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Like you could you could just identify if you want to go you want to go the Sean route, like the braggadocious, mm-hmm. uh, good looking guy who could super who could super kick your head off. You know, you, <laughs> you identify with that. Yep. <laughs> Or you know you want to go, or you know you 
if you know you want to go with you know a uh, guy like Triple H when he was uh, Hunter Hearst Hemsley. <laughs> oh, definitely! Hell yeah! Go? What's up? Not to yeah. When you mentioned Triple H and the, you know his his character coming in, you know some kid now nowadays just would just know Triple H as the game and the fourteen time world champion. It's like oh you know what? Why don't you rewind a little back <laughs> to ninety five mm-hmm. and see what he what he you know what he was and what would the what was what was his character and it just it's just crazy how. You know, when these guys come in and they have a character and it's like, all right, Hunter Hearst Helmsley, the blue blood. Then it's like Stone Cold is the ringmaster. And it's like, you know, mankind. And it's like, all right, now, now what do you do with that character? The Rock, he came in all happy, you know, the good guy and smiling. And the fans were like, nah, that's not that's <laughs> that's not what we want. That's not him. That's not that's, that's, that's not, not him. Because everybody knew, like, The Rock was fresh out of the, uh, playing for the University of Miami, and they like, yo, Rock, that ain't you, bro. <laughs> nah, that outfit was terrible too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like the, the whole blue and the whole blue shorts with the Native American uh, design on it, and the tassels on his boots. I'm like, nah, that ain't they, they ain't the Rock. Nah, nah. nah. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you go back in, in a retrospect of this era, I think you know you mentioned it perfectly that uh, a fan who was smaller or younger can say, you know what, I can relate to Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels because they're like my size or they're, they're, they're my height or they're, they're my weight. I can't, I, I don't have muscles like Warrior and Hogan. I'm not big like Andre. So they, they were more relatable. Even like when uh, Rick Flair came in there in the early 90s, they can kind of relate to him more because of, of the size and, you know, athleticism right. from, from certain guys. But the product, Change into a more kid-friendly kind of environment more than the 80s. And, and kids who were in the 80s have grown up and they're watching this 90s product and they're like, nah, I'm, 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 not, really, I'm, not, I'm not really with all that. So it was a tough thing for them to say, I don't have Hogan, don't got Macho, I don't have Warrior, I don't have my main guys. How do I, how do, I do it? Or what, what do we need to do to kind of build this new wave of stars where the kids or the, or the crowd is not really feeling that? Right, because yeah, like you said, it was they they centered the product around kids. Because I remember, like I said, you know, when WWF superstars used to come on Fox on on Fox Five uh, after uh, X Men, like yeah, wrestling was cool, but it was like because me personally, the way we grew up in my household, we was watching rated R films, we was watching action films and shit. So seeing like wrestling, kind of seeing them try to cater to the kids. It was like ah, even even me as a kid, I was like, nah, man. Because if I'm I'm like if I'm watching, if I'm watching Steve Seagal on on TV throwing people through tables and shit, mm-hmm. and you know what I'm saying as a kid, I'm and even watching Lethal Weapon and shit, and I'm like, nah, they gotta turn up, they get they gotta turn shit up on this. <laughs> they right. gotta they gotta turn shit up on the wrestling now. Like this, you ain't gotta cater to us. And kids, kids in the '90s were smart. They like. Oh, nah, yeah, you, you ain't gotta, you ain't gotta cater to us. Like, show that adult shit. Get, get with it. <laughs> I mean, listen, and, and and that's what eventually happened. Where they, you know, w- you know, for the attitude era, you know, you you're getting high school kids, you're getting young adults, the college kids, and that was just a wave of of, of entertainment, TV, music, uh, movies, whatever. It's like, all right, you you you're you're 
you're you're going toward like the the, the Jerry Springer type of stuff. I want to see chaos, like you mentioned. I want to see different action. I want to see real life kind of action and emotion. So that's what they eventually did in the Attitude Era. But in this era, it was too cookie cutter, too like it was just a totally different thing. And listen, I watched it. I was a fan. I was watching. Mm-hmm. I was watching every single week at that time. I'm, I wasn't paying attention to what how they were portraying to the fans when you get older right. and you take a step back and you say, all right, let, let me go watch this match from In Your House 95. And you're like, now, as a grown adult, like, eh, this probably wasn't really all that good. But back then, it was like, wow, it was the best thing in the world. Best thing in the world, especially when, um, at the time, like, every, like, yo, like, the main thing in the house at the time was, like, WWF. Like, we, ain't nobody was really paying attention to uh, WCW on TBS at the time. Mm-hmm. It was just like, yo, WWF. They was on Fox. They was it was on. They was on the channels that if you if you were if you if mom and dad ain't really had no money, that was we we go to the network TV and you you saw you you was watching wrestling. So mm-hmm. um, and yeah, like as kids, you like oh shit, he body slamming him cool. You know, you you don't think the product was cookie cutter then, but now. Mm. You circle back now. You like wait, 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 wait a minute. Yeah. Why is this like Saturday morning slam on Channel Eleven? Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> <laughs> nah, nah. We, yeah. we we need that adult. We need that you know off the wall shit that that y'all that y'all was playing before. But you know, as kids, that was it. So before we get into the, into this era, um, who who was like your favorite? From the '80s, you know, who was your favorites from the '80s before we get into this era? Um, Macho Man, of course. Like, mm-hmm. just just the way he dressed, you would you would have thought he was a rapper. Like, I'm like, oh shit, all right, yeah. Him between him, Ricky the Dragon, Steamboat, because mm-hmm. you know, okay, I like never seen, never seen an, an athlete during that era like move as gracefully as he does, like as he did. It was like, damn, yo, this. Like you grew up watching kung fu movies, and like when you see Ricky Ricky Steamboat performing the ring, you're like, "Yeah, I see it. I, I see like, um, I see where 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 the correlations at." Um, was it too much? Was it too much of a big fan of Hogan? Like, I wasn't a big fan of Hogan until he until later on, you know, when he turned to black and white uh, Hollywood Hulk Hogan. But like the right. the, the you know the Regular Hulk, I thought he was corny. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, like, like, cause he did. He like, I, I, I was like, yo, is he a crackhead? Like he, you know, I, I, like, granted, you know, like I said, you know, he, you know, he, he brought money in, but me personally, I was like, nah, what's wrong with him? Is he like, nah, ain't it for me? But you know, between Macho Man and 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 and, and uh, the Dragon, those were. Mm-hmm. Out of everybody else, those were like my two, my two guys. And then you know you had, you know Ted DiBiase, like because again I'm a I'm a I'm a guy who likes chaos. So you know having having uh having a guy who reflects uh mm-hmm. ref- reflects the reality of you know this rich tycoon that was Ted DiBiase for me. So those three guys were like 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 you look at the TV and I'm like yeah those those three guys in terms of you know, WWF, those were the three guys that uh, stuck out to me. I think from the 80s for me, um, I mean, I liked Hogan. 
I wasn't I wasn't the biggest fan of Hogan. I, I was a big Hogan fan when he turned Hollywood, the whole NWO stuff. I think that was a, a, a far different uh, fan for me. I was like, wow, like okay, I can dig this Hogan. The red and yellow was cool. The, the vitamins and because it, you know he won every match, he he won every title, and it's like, all right, Hogan, we we get it. But you know, yeah. I was more towards the Warrior, uh, Macho Man. I like DiBiase. I like the character of of, of DiBiase. Um, who else was out there? Yeah, I like I like Warrior too, because like for me, like it's just he brought like that. He brought a different energy than what Hogan brought. You know what I'm saying? Like he gave the, like Hogan was giving you the vitamins and saying the prayers and all that other shit. But like Warrior, he was bringing that. He he wasn't preaching that. Like he was, you know, between his between his ring gear, him running to the ring. Yeah, you know, um. Frog, frog splashing dudes, and you know, just, just anytime he he was in the ring, all right, yo, let me not use the bathroom. Let me see what he, let me see what he about to do here, and um, and you know, just he, he like between him and Hogan, Warrior brought that energy that's like, yo, don't go nowhere. This shit, like, we about to see must see TV. So mm-hmm. when him and Hulk clashed for uh. For, for both the WWE and Intercontinental Championships, you know, to see that, to see that first, I think that's WWF's first unification bout from, like, yeah, for that, that era. That was the first time they ever had the main champion against IC champion, title for title, the first time ever. Yeah, like, like, seeing that and having, like, Warrior beat him, like, that was, like, finally, we got somebody who could beat Hogan. Yeah, clean, to, clean too, clean, clean. Like, like I, I like mad people was like people was shocked, but like for me, I was like, all right, we got another, we got mm-hmm. another, uh, we got another guy who could be Hogan. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like Superman can't always win every fight. True. Um, I like I like Jake too. I think Jake his, his promos were so, uh, still. Still underrated, man. Just the tone and what he was saying, and you know, a guy who who was not a world champion. Listen, a, a lot of guys who could have been world champions should have been world champions were not um, in that era. So also, yeah, like Jake, know, Jake should have been Jake should have been WWE champion. Like, of course, he, yeah. like I could care less about the physique. Like, yeah, sometimes the physique helps, but like for Jake to for, like when Jake's when Jake talks to you, you you, you kind of you, you, you saw like where like the dark place he was getting it from. You mm-hmm. could kind of you know you 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 could picture like somebody in a dark alley talking to you. Like you could you can imagine him. Like I could see him in New York in like a place like uh what Forty Second Street used to look like. Mm-hmm. Like just 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 coming up to you and like you know uh. Like he he had that he had that dark but uh that energy that he can connect to people and he could like he he could he could he could tell you today that that the sun is falling but the way the way he says it, he'd be like oh shit yeah you're right the sun is falling and the sun could still be in the air you know um and just you know the way he's able to master psychology yeah you know like I like a lot of wrestlers. Like I guarantee, a lot of wrestlers when they're in their 
when they're in, uh, in school, I guarantee you his tape gets played because he he understood. Like, and this from a guy that he, this from a guy who's probably who didn't act, but he knew how to he knew how to tell a story. He knew how to get people to pay attention. You know, right? Because uh, and I and I and reason why I like Jake too because he helped set the table for guys who didn't have big physiques but can talk. Now you right. Um, I think one more guy I I I, I like too or two or I, I like I like Rick Rude and I like Mister Perfect. I mm-hmm. think um, those two guys on the mic in the ring again could well, world champions could have been world champions, but it just you just if you weren't in that macho warrior Hogan lane, you just weren't going to be champion. Yeah, like I, I felt like they dropped the ball, especially on those two. Too also, they dropped the ball, especially on especially on Mister Perfect. I'm like, yo, you're looking for a WWE champion mm-hmm. if you're trying to that can cross over the mainstream and like he's in a uh, gifted athlete. Yo, Mister Perfect was right there. They didn't always have to go to to Hogan, but you know, right? Stop and you know talk about Rick Rude. You want to talk about ladies, ladies man? You want to talk like them? I think them two right there set the tables for guys like Dolph Ziggler, and uh, you know, one like they had perfect physiques, but where they where they thrive that as far like the ring work, the character, the knowing how to know how to talk to people, knowing how to knowing how to uh, be a pain in the ass, like because we know wrestling is it's a story about good and bad guys, and every now and again you need that bad guy that you need to that you want to root for, and yep, you know. Guys like Rick Rude and and uh, Mister, especially Mister Perfect. Like everything he did in the ring was just flawless. Like no mistake. Like this guy wasn't like you want to talk about athlete. That guy right there is the what's the definition of athlete? And that's I feel like that's one of the superstars. Vince dropped the ball on. Right. So before we get into the exact details of the new generation era, um, you know me doing me doing the research and. I come across a lot of websites and people just saying, pretty much saying, and I want to get you to to tell me you agree or, or disagree, where many say that the new generation era is mostly considered to be WWF's lowest point. Do you agree with that? Is there some truth to that? And if you don't agree with that, what makes you say it wasn't their lowest point? Um, It's a mixed bag. Like, they did what I what I enjoy is the fact that it was trying at that time because again when you lose your big draw you got to go back to the drawing board you got to figure shit out uh, one of the one of the points that I did not one of the one of their low points was trying to recreate uh, an American hero a quote unquote American hero uh, figure like Hogan with Lex Luger like you're not gonna. Like, you're not going to, like, they tried to do the whole Lex Express thing and him going around the country and being patriotic. And you know, it was like, nah, don't don't try to reinvent the wheel. Like, Hogan was Hogan. Let Lex be Lex. And, um, you know, like, as a whole, the new generation, I don't feel like it was it was the lowest point for the Federation. I feel like it, it was it was uh, in the middle because, yeah, you had your low points. Luger being one of them, but at the same time, your high points—you had guys like Brett, Sean, 
and The Undertaker. And, you know, you have uh, Razor Ramon. You have the guys that, you know, were really setting the table for the Attitude Era. It was setting... It was... They 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 was, they they had awesome matches. They, they had you invested. Um, but, you know, like... Yeah, like I wouldn't say I wouldn't necessarily say it's the it's the lowest point, you know, for me because I I would me I was trying to find I was trying to find a positive and stuff, mm-hmm. um, and I just felt like that era wasn't it, it was in the middle. Like yes, you had your bad stuff, also that era gave us greats, many great many great superstars, many matches that you know revolutionized the game. So it's. For me, that era's in the middle for me. And uh, many can look at the beginning of this era was when you had Bret Hart become the world champion. So just to backtrack, Ric Flair comes in 91. He becomes the world champion at uh, at mm-hmm. Rumble in 92. Yep. He drops the belt to Macho at WrestleMania 8. Mm-hmm. And um, he wins it back somehow. Uh, I think in the summer uh, of '92, and then drops, right. then he drops the belt to Brett in uh not even like a pay per view or some some sort of uh, superstars or wrestling challenge sometime in October of '92, and now you have Bret Hart, the guy who was Intercontinental Champion, who was Tag Team Champion, who started off as a mid Carter, and now he's a guy who's gonna be looking to, to carry the company, being a, a, a younger guy, a more athletic, smaller guy. And this was the beginning of the trend, or even what you see today, of these kind of guys becoming world champions, not not the seven-foot guys, not the, the bulky, muscular guys. It's Bret Hart. So right. at that point, whether you at, you at that time as a fan or you look looking back at it now, like what did it mean for Bret Hart, a guy like Bret Hart, uh, one who was loyal to the company, never did anything wrong, never was in trouble, but a guy who really stayed the course and becomes world champion, beating Ric Flair on top of that. And now he begins this trend of this is what the world champion is going, is going to look like. What did what, what did that victory for Brett mean to the company? And, you know, even you as a fan. Uh, for me, Brett finally becoming WWE champion. Uh, after he beat Ric Flair and just for him he represented uh, like we often when we talk about excellence just in sports in general we often like the one guy that always comes up is Michael Jordan you know from the time he laced his laced, laced his shoes up played in college all the way up to him finally being a man in the NBA winning six world championships that was Brett for me he was putting in that for me because for me, I identify with Brett a lot more because he's the guy, like, um, you know, as kids, we, you know, in the past, it was always the Hogan types. It was always the, it was always the big bulky guys. You know, you go to the 90s and a lot of guys, when you look at sports in general, a lot of guys are winning championships using, using athletics, uh, not just, uh, they're using athletic skill. They're using technique they're using uh they got various ways on how to win mm-hmm. and for, uh on the athletic side that's what brett represented for me you know a, a workhorse type champion who knew how to win 
who knew, you know, who who could who could who uh legitimate for the smaller guys, you know. You know, winning not winning his match by just body slams when he brought start bringing submission wrestling. You know, when we talk about the shot when he start bringing in little little uh tricks and nuances and ways how to beat you, you know, and he had that cool factor about him. He wasn't just like this boring champion. For me, he was like he was like uh he he was like Rick Ricky uh Ricky's Dragon Steamboat for me. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Ricky Ricky wasn't just the big like uh, athletic body. Like he he had the he had the skill, he had the grace. He he could beat you with an uh a number amount of moves. Like that was Brett. Like when that's like Brett is like Jordan. Like Jordan. When you see Jordan on the court, he could beat you with a number of things. He can beat you with the mid range with the mid range shot. He can beat you later on with the three point. He can he can go and dunk. He can go and lay up. He can switch hands. You know, like that was Brett for me. Brett was like was like Jordan. And, you know, not to add to he you know, him with his whole ring gear, like, yo, before it wasn't cool to wear pink. Like <laughs> we, you know, like guys wearing pink like they thought you was a sissy, like, oh look look at this sissy right here. Look at this guy right here. He he must be but like Brett Mac Mick um bringing pink and black into it. It was like, oh shit! Nah, he, he might he got some flavor to him. I'm like, all right, cool. And you know, he brought that cool factor. Mm-hmm. Everybody wanted to be Brett. You you couldn't tell me kids growing up in the era didn't want to be Brett with the cool sunglasses. I I tried to look high and low in Brooklyn to find shades like that. You know, he came with the leather coat and the pink tights. And yeah. yo, he 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 as a WWE champion, like he. He had other factors about him that that made him cool to like, yo, anytime Brett's in the main event of any show, you're like, all right, let me make sure I'm home to watch Brett wrestle and and, and, and represent as WWE champion. So, mm. you know, he was cool. He, he was just that he, he had the same air as Michael Jordan, you know, as me, me, uh, for me as a fan, as a young fan watching, uh, Brett be the be the face of the company. Right. Uh no, listen, man, I agree. I, I, I agree with the whole uh outfit, the glasses, the 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 leather jacket, the pink and black, uh the music, just just him engaging with the fans and uh, you know, we always saw Brett as a good guy at that time. I know he'll become a heel way later, but just seeing right. him interacting with the fans and um just put it on the best match he could possibly have with everybody, never hurting anybody. And he could fight the small guys, the big guys. It don't really matter. So you put Brett in the ring with damn near anybody. Um, he's, you know, Brett's going to have a great match with that. Um, so he's champion. Fast forward a little bit. And I think what it will get, I think its own show on, on this podcast. So I'll mention it now, but you... You start seeing Monday Night Raw now on USA. So they create that in the, the early part of 93, I think January of 93. So now this new weekly show comes out. So we have, me and you can watch Superstars and Challenge and mm-hmm. Saturday Night Main Event. But sometimes it, 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 it'd be one-offs. Now you're getting a weekly, right. t- now you're getting a weekly uh, TV show where now he's, you know, 
people are getting opportunity. Uh, they're getting TV time. They're getting like, all right, if, if they don't know who you are, you're now exposing these performers to a live national audience where it's like, all right, now I know who she is. I know who he is. So now, real quick, when you're watching Monday Night Raw for the first time and when you hear, oh, what is Monday Night Raw? Is this weekly show every Monday night? Um, how... How integral was Monday Night Raw at that time to these performers? I know they're going on 20 plus years now, 20, probably 27 years now of Raw. Um, right. You still watch it. I still watch it. But what did the, what did Monday Night Raw mean to the company? Um, for, in my opinion, I think Monday Night Raw represented a way to... Uh, get more superstars on the platform because they had a, at the time they were still building their roster out they were still building who was going to represent the, the company into the future and uh, just one off shows wasn't going to do it so you know to to get on to get on uh, cable television and get on Monday Night Raw like like for example who who would have saw the one two three kid fucking beat uh, Razor Ramon on TV. That, that shit, we like, you know. Um, I didn't look at uh, one two three kid. Nobody looked at one two three kids like, oh shit, he he might be a threat to a title or to a contender. And he, the, after he beat uh, Razor Ramon, everybody was like, oh, all right, wait, who's this kid now? Who's this guy? When you saw guys like Undertake, when you seeing these guys like WWE use Monday Night Raw to help. To help bring forth new characters that mm-hmm. was going to be uh, was going to be players into the future. So that's what that's and it became a platform for a lot of for a lot of the wrestlers to go on cable and just uh, just have just have an episodic to see to see to see themselves in an episodic storyline mm-hmm. where fans because where people could start becoming fans of them, whether they were good guys, whether bad guys. You know, the company was like, yo, this is how we can get more fans. Because let's face it, people like episodic television. Like we even look now, like people like like to follow storylines. Even if you like when you was a kid, you know, growing up in that time, like comic books was a big thing. And every time a new issue of of Spider-Man or or X-Men or, you know, or Batman came out, you was always like, all right, let me go spend money and go get the next right. get the next comic book. And for for the WWE, this was like that. This is like, all right, we're gonna we're gonna create episodes, and we're gonna we're gonna put these start putting these. We're gonna start giving these guys more of a platform, so we could find out one. We could find out who the cream of the crop is, who we could build and make money with, and two. All right, for those for those for those top guys, we need we need support. We need a support cast that fans can still get behind. And we could build good storylines out. So, you know, like I said, it's a platform for all the wrestlers, and it was it was a way to find out, all right, which one of our wrestlers is going to lead us into into the future in terms of box office draw. Um, who's going to put asses in seats, and 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 who, who's going to who's going to stand out and be our champion, uh, and and be be the plank holders for. For for this new endeavor in the cable television, and hey man, no nobody 
Nobody in 1993 knew that two years later how important <laughs> Raw would be to the company where now they got to go up against Nitro every single Monday night. Now they got to cha- <clears throat> change their ways. Now they really got to put on these performers who got to bring in the ratings and the money. So it's when it first came out, it was, you know, Manhattan Center, small venue. Yep. It's like very, very intimate. I think I think they were on for like an hour or two, not not the three hours that we, that we get now, but um, very important to introduce new stars, give them TV time, give them their, their eight, ten-minute matches. You mentioned one, two, three kid. And Razor Ramon is like, if if one two three kid is, is not on Raw, fighting Razor, I would never know who who he was. I, I see him on, on a pay per view, but to really see what he right. can do and be like in this, um, you know, mid card. Not I mean not a not a championship contender, but at least being the mid card for a major show, you know, really speaks volumes. And I think the the, the creation of Raw, uh, very vital to the company. Uh, I, I can't even imagine the company without Raw every single week. It's just like you know, what if like what 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 could replace that? Superstars? No. Main event? No. Wrestling no. challenge? No. It's like it's like somehow it's weird, but you needed something like a Monday Night Raw for your for your company, right? Because like you can only put on like you can't like especially at that time where you lost Hogan, where you lost. You know, guy like Macho Man, when you lost your big draws like that was bringing in millions, like superstars was alone wasn't going to cut it. You're like, you got to get, you have to get, you, you got to get some more TV time for right. your, for your superstars to to start uh, drawing drawing that money and start getting those ratings. Like, and Monday Night Raw, it's crazy how Monday Night Raw became a uh, a staple for for. Uh, wrestling fans for for the world like it's like like for us like it's it's like when your when your mom used to watch watch stories and stuff it's like who, who would have thought like uh, an experimental idea wound up becoming a staple in, uh, in pop culture yeah for so Crazy. long for so long too mm-hmm yeah um. So back to Brett. So now back on the timeline where now, like, as I mentioned earlier, the Royal Rumble, man. The Royal Rumble was uh, just a thing. You put 30 people in there. You get the, the last one wins and you go home. And in 92, Ric Flair would win the Rumble, but he becomes world champion. So maybe at that point in time, they're like, all right, maybe we could be on to something where the winner of the Rumble can have a title shot for the world title in the main event of WrestleMania. So, Brett is the champion at this point. The first time they do this, a guy by the name of Yokozuna is the winner of the Royal Rumble, and now he gets Bret Hart at WrestleMania 9 in the main event. Um, to me, I think, and we'll get to it very soon, but WrestleMania 9 is one of the two worst WrestleManias <laughs> ever. And... <laughs> Those two WrestleManias, ah, yeah. those two manias happen to happen in this era. Um, but before that, you get Brett, you get Yoko, you get main event, Caesars Palace, Las Vegas, Nevada. I think first time a WrestleMania being held like outdoors, 
Uh, cool, cool scene for those who know, who never seen uh, saw it. Check it out. Right. It's not the best WrestleMania, but a cool look, different look, different vibe. When you watch WrestleMania Nine nowadays or recently, and you can watch that match or just the overall ambiance of WrestleMania Nine, to you, is it one of the worst WrestleManias of all time? And is there something about that show that maybe I don't know about that can be like, you're right, you know what? Maybe you're a little too hard on WrestleMania Nine. Um. Well, first of all, let's let's we gotta break this down. All right, now the the whole set and the idea of having WrestleMania at Caesar's Palace, cool idea. Yes, very cool. By far, cool idea because never before have we like, and I think that was a precursor for them to like, all right, yo, all right, from here on out, we gotta we gotta make this thing like special, like having it at Caesar's Palace, the whole uh, Roman Gladiator thing. What what was trash about? Well, first of all. Mm. Having the Undertaker wrestle a guy like Giant Gonzalez, uh, who I thought absolute joke. <laughs> like, you mean to tell me you got you got the most you got the most scariest guy in your company wrestling a guy in a, in a, in a gorilla outfit? You, you, you kidding me? You <laughs> fucking kidding yeah. me? Like that was that the era. Was, like even as a kid, I was like, nah, man, this ain't it. If I'm supposed to be, if I'm supposed to be a fan Undertaker, nah, this this ain't it. Like this supposed to be, this supposed to be a twenty second match. Yeah. Um, so that was bad. And then, all right, the Roman, the Roman togas, I, you know, I'm I'm iffy on, you know, because I'm not like, I respect the effort because if you're gonna have you're gonna have WrestleMania with that sort of theme, then all right, cool, I get it. Um. So the one match from WrestleMania 9 that put a sour taste in my mouth for that entire card was Hogan coming back and facing Yokozuna. Like, mm. to me, that was supposed to be Yokozuna and Bret Hart's moment. was supposed to be Hogan's. And, you know, the fact that they, for, uh, for whatever reason... Decided to put Hogan in that in that twenty two second match. I, I was like, "Nah, that's that's not nah." Like you, I, I felt like one that was supposed to be a crowning achievement for Yokozuna, and for them to be like, "Nah, we're not gonna we're not gonna go with Yokozuna. Instead, we're gonna have Hulk Hogan beat Yokozuna for the title." I'm like, "Like, what what are we doing? Like, why? Like, I thought like that was supposed to be his." moment as a bad guy to to continue his unstoppable reign. It's like for me it was like uh like we wanted to see the bad guy win on this one. And it showed it showed me that the company didn't necessarily believe in Yokozuna's and I was like, all right, if we y'all didn't believe in Yokozuna like that, then why waste why waste time and have him win the Rumble to go on and win, finally become WWF champion at WrestleMania 9? Right. I mean, I listen, I, I, I agree. I think, um, I mean, depending on who you ask, you can think about it from different ways. One, they didn't believe in, in, in Yokozuna to be the guy, to carry the company. Right. Maybe... 
there is a part of me that feels, I mean, they believed in Brett, but I feel like once Hogan was like back in the mix, they're like, all right, we're going to go with Hogan. Like if they really, if they really were behind Brett, they would have said, no, Hogan, if you want the title shot, if you want the belt, you're going to go up against Bret Hart. Right. And Yokozuna wins, then Hogan wins. They walk off WrestleMania 9 with Hogan as as a champion. And then you never get the Hogan Bret rematch. The the right. rematch that should have happened. Why it did not happen? I would never know. We would never know. Um, yeah. I think there is this thing between Brett and Hogan that they, they don't like each other or Brett don't like him. And I can kind of see it that way because Brett was a guy like, listen, if I'm going to be the best, I got to take down the best. Right. And somehow he felt Hogan was not willing to drop the belt to him or he was scared or whatever the case may be. He, maybe he Hogan did not believe in Brett because Hogan can, Hogan's a, polit- uh, a, 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 a politician, man. He'll go to right. he'll, like, yeah, Hogan. Hogan, like, and that's one thing I didn't, I didn't like was like Hogan was a politician because I remember, you know, even when um, and this is getting off subject, but I even remember when the whole thing about a uh, union coming about, mm. and he went to how, how you go behind the boys' backs, and you know, tell 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 the front office, hey, yeah, they, you know, they want to form a union. He because of Hogan, like the way he cat just the way he behaved and everything. And then on top of it, you know, just, just always found himself in, in more champ with more championships than everybody not pushing God. like, it was just like, at that point, I just had enough of Hogan. Like even at WrestleMania, at that point, it just put a bad taste in my mouth. Mm. I was like, look, I'd rather not see Hogan ever again on, on my TV. Because like Brett and, Brett and Yokozuna deserve to have that stage to themselves. To have to have them to be in the main event, they deserved a lot better than what WWE gave them at for for that particular WrestleMania. Yeah, because what was funny was that Hogan was uh, in 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 a, in a tag team match earlier at, at WrestleMania Nine. He right. he already fought, and then with the part they got me. If you really dissect it, it's like when Hogan is like helping Brett, you know, the the Fuji threw something in Brett's eyes, and all right, cool, Yoko won the match. I, I I was okay with that, but now Hogan comes out, he's the savior, and he's talking to Brett, and then Brett's like, yeah, yeah, like he, he does his um this hand gesture, like yeah, like go in there and get him, Hulk, go in there and get him, like like bro, what are you like, what are you, why are we why are we doing this to Brett? So now it makes Brett look soft, and get, right. so now you got Hogan to come in and, and, and help him to go be to to go be Yokozuna in in, in less than a minute, uh, twenty five seconds or whatever it was, and like you said, he wins the Rumble, he's he's in the main event of WrestleMania, he becomes world champion, and in less than a minute, he he drops the belt to Hulk Hogan. It's like. Like I don't understand what what were they looking for because Hogan was off TV for for a minute um, after that and even even prior then right. then you get to King of the Ring uh, of ninety three Hogan loses and then Hogan's never comes back until oh two so I'm like if you really dissect back in the day like what what was the point of that ending for WrestleMania nine I still don't get it yeah I I don't get it and I don't even. To this day, I can't even watch WrestleMania Nine because 
just on how they fucked up that that just the way they fucked up that storyline between Brett and Yokozuna. It was it, and then you're right. He after that we never saw Hogan again until 2002, and it was like, was that really? Did we really need? To, did the company really need to make Hulk Hogan champion? It was like, nah, I, like, and a lot of we talked to a lot of fans and people. They'll tell you the same thing. It was like, yo, WrestleMania nine was not it, and people were getting sick and tired of Hogan already. Boys in the locker room. We're hearing stories now, like. They after that, after that, you know, shit was just never the same again. And yeah, like those, those are the one. That's the that's one of the few WrestleManias that that I can't, as a fan, watch or even recommend to somebody. Like, I'm not. We're not wasting time on it. And not and that's that is one of the big. We talk about low points of the new generation era that was one of the low points of the new generation era aside from the lex express <laughs> <laughs> oh boy you love lex luger <laughs> you love that um I, I listen give me a minute i'll get to that but after hogan king of the ring he's champion yoko uh, gets the world title now hogan's out uh, again as a fan you don't know what's going on with hogan um there is a steroid trial going on, so that that plays a large part in Hogan mm-hmm. not coming back, and quite a few others not coming back. I think that was a real black eye on the company, and you know, of course, people are gonna write them off. Like, all right, what do you do now? You you lose your biggest star, um, you take him to trial or vice versa. However, it went down, and um, it, it it was a real hole that McMahon had had to dig out from that point where. I'm already not doing good as far as like my, my creative and whatever case may be. And now now I gotta go through this and Hogan's out. He goes to WCW the following year and it's like, all right, who who am I gonna really build upon? Who is my next Hulk Hogan? Right. And to get to your point with Luger, Luger was at WrestleMania nine for those who forgot. But he was the uh the narcissist. And I'm like, okay. And like two months, three months later, in the summertime, your roll the rollout is red, white, and blue, patriotic, uh, patriotic, all American. He's the guy. He's the savior. He's USA, USA. And I'm like, okay, like I listen. I was not a big fan of Luger back in the day. I was not. No. So that whole <laughs> Lex Express and it was it it, it sounded cheesy and corny, and they wanted Luger to be the next Hulk Hogan. And I'm like, yeah. okay, cool, but Luger is not Hulk Hogan. On the microphone, you know, maybe a, maybe better in the ring, but just something about Luger that didn't say Hulk Hogan Part 2. And why do you need a Hulk Hogan Part 2? Why did you just make him Lex Luger? So, yeah. Go ahead. You know, like, because even, yeah, like you said, Lex Express and him, they may try to make him out to be this American hero and, you know, that corny song. You know, <laughs> I want to be a hero. It was just like, ah, oh, all right. And then, and then what? What I hated too was when he and Yokozuna got in a feud, and he came on a helicopter, yeah. landed on the Intrepid, and he got in the ring and body slammed Yokozuna. And you know, it was just like, what? All right, Vince. All right, man. Like, what are we doing with this guy? Like, yo, you got guys like 
you got all this talent. You got a you you want to make Lex Luger the next Hogan? Like, nah, man. <laughs> but now, but now, was it was it was it because of the their in ring work, or do you feel like it was forced, or do you feel like just the way they were rolling them out was like, nah, you you're doing too much? I, I felt like it was forced. I like we like. Hogan's Hogan, like and naturally, you know, Hogan became the the American hero of kids' eyes, and you know, I was just like, I just felt like it was it was way too forced. It wasn't organic. Um, and Lex didn't have that. Like with Hogan, we saw the evolution of his character, like mm. going from you know the everyday working, like he he had Rocky Balboa's story. Right, like it, like he he finally gets an opportunity to wrestle for the world title against the Iron Sheik in the eighties. He beat him for the WWE title, and then you know, as he progressed in his character, he started becoming this American hero, this American hero role model. Lex didn't have that same character development, like you said. He came in as the narcissist, and we saw no development for Lex Luger's character. So then. You know, when they decide, all right, we're going to make you, we're going to try to make you the next Hogan. We're going to make you this, we're going to, you know, have you tour the country and your little stupid Greyhound bus. And, you know, we're going to put like a, we're going to put like a queenist. Uh, 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 we're going to put a song. We're going to make you, yeah, we're going to make you America's next hero. It's just like, mm. they, I felt like it wasn't executed properly. There, there was no character progression. And it was too much too soon for Lex Luger. And I it, it was just I was like, nah, this 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 ain't it. This ain't it. It wasn't I like if if it was rolled out properly to where we saw Lex Luger's character progress into that sort of character like Hogan's, then I, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have been mad about it. I would have been like, all right, I'll, I'll embrace it. But the fact that they just rushed it and try to do it too fast too soon it, it just put a bad taste in my mouth for Lex Luger and I, I think I think at some point they realized that because um, you know you you do all this Lex uh, Express and this pub red white and blue stuff and then when you give him the when you give him the title shot at SummerSlam 93 against Yoko you don't put the belt on him. All right, cool. It's a count out, DQ, whatever. All right. All right. right. Now you fast forward to like Survivor Series. They do their regular four and four stuff. All right. No, no title shot. You get you get to the Rumble of 94. And this is where, again, a first time, you know, uh, in this uh, era that two people win the Rumble. And right. you, get, you get Luger and Brett. Okay, cool. As a fan, all right. I get two people to win to win the Rumble. How are they going to play it out at WrestleMania 10 for the title? Right. Then Luger is going to get Yokozuna first. And then Bret Hart is going to get Owen Hart in the beginning of WrestleMania 10, which is probably the, 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 the best opening match of Mania history. And right. he'll get he'll get the winner of Luger Yoko at the end. And you still don't put the belt on Luger. So now, yeah. now you now you're wasting a, a, a six month period of him being the next Hogan, and you don't put the belt on him. That's the that's that was the red flag for me. Like, all right, maybe they notice that he's he he's good, but he may not be the guy we want to go with going forward. Right, like 
you know, again, like just the whole Lex thing. It was just like it was just it was just bad overall. The the it it was just poorly executed. And you know, WWE, like you said, it, for me, I think they had an opportunity to do something. Like yo, essentially, they had a four man tournament at WrestleMania. It was like yo, you y'all win y'all respective matches. You two are going to collide for the WWF title. That would have been perfect, in my opinion, for Lex Luger. Like, all right, yo, I got to go. You know, I won the Rumble. I co-won the Rumble. And I still got to go through the champ. All right. Now I got to. It, it was like, it's kind of like uh, when Daniel Bryan, Daniel Bryan situation at Mania, how he had to fight in the tournament to become the WWE World Heavyweight Champion. Mm-hmm. Same situation with Lex Luger. Only this time, with Lex Luger, they didn't pull the trigger. I felt like they should have pulled the trigger. Like, yo, if you guys want Lex Luger, you want people to get behind Lex Luger, let's go all the way. Go all the way. Fuck. See what happens. Right. But I think they, I think Vince knew that, okay, damn, we didn't build this guy out the right way how I usually build out my, how we usually build out our superstars. So, all right, fuck it. We might as well just clean the slate and we might as well give Brett and Yokozuna the rematch that they that they deserved. It, it was just like it, it, it was like I did it on one part, you know, Vince did fix it for both Brett and Yokozuna, but on the other end, I felt like Lex Luger got fucked in this situation. Excuse my language. Um I felt like Lex Luger got screwed in this due to creative. Mm-hmm. And them not seeing like the long game and plan and proper planning of Yoko's of uh, Lex Luger's character from the narcissist to uh, the quintessential American hero role model kind of thing. They should have they should have really built that out properly. And he was the one who got screwed out of this whole ordeal. But I am glad that you know I'm. Like, I'm glad that Brett and Yokozuna got to have their rematch. So, but yeah, just that whole Lex Luger thing, it was, it didn't, it didn't, it didn't work out. And nah, then, you know, he would, he would never get a world title match again. He was never really in the main event scene like that. And he, he, he was still around tag team stuff like that, but he was never in that picture. And, um, you know, he, it's crazy how he would be the guy to start the whole, Monday Night War and right. you know for those who don't know he I guess he has some sort of verbal agreement to come back and McMahon and them thought we got Luger and you turn on the debut episode of Nitro on TNT and uh, fucking Lex Luger, Lex Luger walks out of all people like oh shit Lex Luger's on, on Nitro and he's like oh what's going on and that was really a big thing where like time out you know, I thought we had Luger in the bag. He told me right. he was coming back. And the next night, he walks on Nitro. And it's like, what's going on? And that's where you see this turn of like, you can't really trust nobody. You got to get everything in writing and stuff like that. So, um, it's amazing how it turned out for Luger. I think he was a bigger star in WCW anyway. So, all props to him. But mm-hmm. when Brett wins the title... Uh, WrestleMania 10 and we're going to fast forward a little bit here um, 
he he <laughs> again this era is weird man he he drops the belt to, to bob backlund all right so <laughs> yeah like, i'm like bob, bob backlund still around like like dang he wasn't in the 80s but bob backlund is now your world champion in the mid 90s for those who don't know and like an yeah. hour and like an hour later diesel beats bob backlund so we get diesel to be the longest reigning world champion in the nineties, I, I think people don't. If you if you mention the nineties longest reign, some might say Stone Cold, some might say The Rock, some gonna say Shawn and Brett, and I right. think they'll be they'll be all wrong because Diesel was a champion for a whole year, um, which was crazy because I'm like, even Hogan, I don't think Hogan had it for a year in the nineties. The Warrior did not have it. Ric Flair, nope. Macho, nobody. People who thought would be a long time, uh, year-long champion, but no, Diesel is the world champion. But not many recall that reign. You told me offline, I forgot Diesel was world champion. Yeah, like I, yo, like I, because I knew Diesel was there, but I was like, wait, hold on, time out. He was world champ? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep, for a year. Like, like, I remember, like, his WCW reigns are more memorable than his WWF title reign. Mm-hmm. Like I don't, I don't like which, which was weird because I'm, I'm like, <laughs> where did I miss that he was WWF champion? <laughs> oh, because the fact that when he won it, it wasn't like on a pay per view, it wasn't like a Rumble Mania, it was just a regular house show in the Garden here in New York, and he beat Bob Backley in like ten seconds and. That was it. And then he's champion for a whole year. He be, he he gets um, you know, some 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 decent matches with with, with Sean at WrestleMania 11 and the Bulldog and Sid and you know he'll drop the belt to Brett at Survivor Series in '95. But I mean, a tall guy could talk on the mic, very smart. And it's like, man, that's that's not the one guy you think to be who could be a long time world champion for a whole year in this climate. And it's Diesel. And I mentioned WrestleMania 11 because that is the worst WrestleMania of all time. I don't care what anybody tells me. That card is terrible. The location was terrible. I know Diesel and Sean was in the main event for the title. But if you go on that, if you go back and look at that card, it's terrible. So the new generation era is on your watch. You have WrestleMania 9 and WrestleMania 11 as the two worst WrestleMania's of all time. Do you agree with me on WrestleMania 11 being the worst? Man, man throw that whole card in the garbage. Throw that whole <laughs> event. Like, WWE should take it off the network. Like, what the fuck were they with? Like, all right, cool. All right, let, let, let's break down this card. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> let's really break down this card. Because, like, all right. First of all, you had the allied powers with Lex Lugan and British Bulldog. I'm like, all right, all right. What are we what what are we doing here? They open up the card and they they beat two jobbers. It was like all right, all right, what are we doing? All right, wasn't bad. Now you had you 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 had what? But bro, yo, that shows you, yo, Luga was in the main event the year prior. Now he's opening WrestleMania. Yeah, like what are we like? What the that's what the crazy hell are we doing here? <laughs> like I thought Luga was, and, and and I was looking at Vince. I'm like, yo, Vince, I thought Luga was your guy. Why is he opening this card? And then. Right. You had Undertaker uh, wrestling fucking King Kong Bundy. I'm like, wait, why y'all putting it? 
why are you putting this man in here with a, with another joke? Like, <laughs> yeah, what? Like this guy, this guy's supposed to be the most. He, this guy's supposed to be the most scariest fucking superstar in WWE, and you're putting him in here with another joke. This is supposed to be your biggest card. What are we doing? And, oh, oh, and let's not, let's not. How you let Lawrence Taylor beat Bam Bam Bigelow? <laughs> because he's an outside athlete. Anybody who's on the outside who comes in, they're not losing a match. I, it, it depends, you know. The, you know they had Rodman lose at yeah. WCW, but if you're the, if you're first of all, it's not even Bam Bam lost. Why is Bam Bam and Lawrence Taylor the main event? Yeah, of yeah. WrestleMania. Oh yeah, that's the that's the that's the shit that got me. I'm like, wait, ain't your WWF title supposed to be the main event? Yeah, like that's the other shit that that shit had me confused. I was like, why? Like, wait, I, I'm like, yo, Ted, like Lawrence Taylor, nor Bam Bam got the title. Why are they in the main event? Then I get it. Vince was trying to get. It's trying to get mainstream appeal, but I'm like, that is not how that's. This is not. This ain't it. This card wasn't it. It it demeaned, it disrespected the WWF title. It, it like this whole card. This whole card looked like a house show. The whole card looked like a house show. The build, it, it was just like, like this is another WrestleMania. You can't show people this. You can't show. <laughs> you can't like. Yo, if I'm a kid today, if if I'm like a, a a young wrestling fan today, and you show me this card, I'm like, I'm not watching this shit. Why the fuck am I watching wrestling? This shit, this shit is crazy. <laughs> Bro, WrestleMania 11, man. Listen, um, mind you, it's it's seven matches. Probably the shortest WrestleMania of all time. Um, your world title is not is not even the main event. You got mid-80s guys still there. Bob Backlund, King Kong, Bundy. Um, it, it, oh, my God. Um, yeah, I mean, it was, listen, it was, the, the best match was Diesel and Shaw, but that yeah. match by itself couldn't carry this whole this whole pay-per-view. Man. I, I like Shawn in the main event. He was the, the winner of the Rumble, you know, with the with the one one foot hanging outside by the, with, with the Bulldog. That was... Uh, very intriguing to me. They were they were former best friends. I get the storyline, right? And then again, you know, Jen, Jenny McCarthy and Pam Pam Anderson. And again, more mainstream. I think WrestleMania 11 is more like we need more people to watch, so we're gonna get these mainstream people. You know, Pam Anderson, McCarthy, LT. We need right. special guest ring announcers and timekeepers. It was that kind of WrestleMania. Like, like who who are you catering to? The fans, right. or are you trying to get more for the outs, which is, I get it, but I think you're doing a little too much where because you 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 rely more on that than the actual in ring performance. So that's on you in yeah. order to to flip that and say you know what they want to come watch your product because they're fans, not because they're getting paid to do it. Right, because they had the formula right. Like all right, like past like past WrestleMania, they had Muhammad Ali as guest referee. Cool. But with this whole car from top to bottom, bringing in, you, you, you have both, uh, D, you both have, 
uh, Diesel and Sean walk out with fucking with with two with two uh, with two ladies that are overshadowing them. Mm-hmm. You have Bam Bam Bigelow Russell, who was one of the biggest uh, stars in football. It was just like it 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 was like it was WWE's. Uh, it was how can I say? It was basically you might as well name this WrestleMania goes Hollywood. True, but badly done. Yeah, it was. It, it was just like, and then the way they the way they arranged the card, like you said, they got a mix of both eighties. They got they got eighties stars in here. They didn't give. They really didn't give. Who? They didn't give their main like their new guys much of a. They didn't give them a platform to be like, yo, we're gonna elevate you guys, like because there's no reason why Lawrence Taylor's in the main event of WrestleMania. There's no reason why he should have been in, in the man. No disrespect to Bam Bam Bigelow, but Bam Bam Bigelow wasn't the WWF champion. He didn't have any title. Mm. Him and Lawrence should have been, honestly, they should have been in the middle of the car. You know? Right. Um, Lex Luger and the British Bulldog, like, all right, cool. You, you got Lex who was at one time the number one contender for the WF tie, you got him opening the the show. You know, on top of that, yep. Um, you got your Intercontinental title. Why? Like, why is that not the co-main event? Why? You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, why yeah, is it, it the tag team championship the co-main event? Yeah, throw this whole, take this whole car. We're gonna take <laughs> this whole car. We're just gonna throw it in the trash. We're gonna burn it. And yeah, like it, it, it was, it, it was not like just this whole thing. That whole build-up, it was just bad. It, it was like had they rearranged the card differently. I think one, if they rearranged the card differently, and then minimize, like I get, they was trying to bring uh, notoriety. But if they if they had minimized on the not minimized, how can I say? If they'd have kept Pam Anderson and Jenny McCarthy, McCarthy more as like fans watching the show. More so than walking out with both Diesel and Shawn Michaels, yeah, for, uh, for the WWF title match, and then you know just a lot of things they could have done differently, but still kept that celebrity, uh, that cele- that celebrity feel to WrestleMania, and I'm glad this is a WrestleMania nobody nobody ever brings up. Oh like, yeah, even in the even in the. Uh, in all the WrestleMania promo packages they do, this is one WrestleMania that by far never comes up. No, trust me, I get it because they they eventually turn things up a little bit more in WrestleMania 12 with the Iron Man match and the, the Hollywood backlot brawl, and you know now you get the Ringmaster involved, you get the hey, Warrior comes back against Hunter, uh, but. You can see there's a difference of not relying on the outside mainstream people, and they're relying on the actual talent that they have. Um, right. So before I wrap it up in a bit, I, I what what will become the, its own show is basically the in your house uh, involvement. I think it, I think is um very vital to what they were doing. Mind you, you were getting a show. Like Mania, Rumble, Survivor Series, and SummerSlam, you know, every three, four months, 
you get your TV time with the Raw and stuff like that. But now in your house is now they're giving you a, a, a pay-per-view now every month or every two months now. Like, okay, now it's after Mania in March, expect in your house in April now or May. Right. So it made the fans say, all right, now I can watch this every month. And plus it was cheaper back then. It was like 20, you know, 20 cash for, for a two-hour in your house. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, in your house was very important to the company. It it, it, it elevated uh, uh, more stars. It brought out different matches like Hell in a Cell, like the right. Buried Alive matches and Casket matches. But that'll be its own show. But for you, just when you when you hear in your house, what's the first thing that comes to you and what matches stand out for you that happen at in your house? Um, well, for me, in your house was kind of like, um, like a lot of our, uh, like a lot of the B class pay-per-views, like your Armageddon's, your backlashes. Right. There's always something to like, all right, we may not get a big four, but we're still getting a good, we're still getting a good, um, a good B, a good B level pay per view. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, a uh, couple of matches for me was one: the Undertaker versus Mankind in a Buried Alive match. Okay. Uh, October 20th, 1996. Never seen that match before. And again, I'm watching as a kid. So to see finally they give Undertaker worthy uh, adversary. Yeah. With mankind and to see them compete in a buried alive match, like I was like to me because I'm a I'm also a fan of horror films. So for me, seeing that match, seeing that is like oh shit, this is an actual match. Like yeah, I was intrigued by it. Like that was one of the matches that stood out to me. And then, uh, like basically between. Between that match, that Buried Alive match, Stone Cold versus Undertaker, Buried Alive match, to earn a spot in the Rumble, and let me see. Then, yeah, those those two matches for me, those two matches for me, yeah. Like every every other match was like, take those two Buried Alive matches. Those were like one and two for me, and then every other match was like was like three, four, whatever. You can rank them how you want. Um, yeah, those, those those two buried alive matches. And then the St. Uh, Saint Valentine's Day Massacre. Ah, uh, yeah. It's funny you mentioned that because that was the last in your house. Yeah. Uh, massacre, yeah. Yeah, like I, re- I remember what, that was 19, 1999. February, yeah. February 1999. Yep. Um, I was like, oh. I think for me, and again, I'll save it for more for the show, but um, in your house, man, I, I, I liked it. it. You know, again, it, it could be corny sometimes. It could be cheesy sometimes. But I think if you were to do a deep dive of every in your house, you, you'll you find some gems. Like t- Today and last night, I'm like, let me go through in your house. Rick. I know there's a lot that I don't recall, and I don't, I don't want to act like I know everything. And I'm like, wow, a diesel bulldog match was not too bad. Then you get Michaels and this guy. You know, if you ask me right now, my favorites or what what stands out as Mount Rushmore ish of in your house is going to be the first ever Hell in a Cell match with Sean and Taker. Um, right. 
I think t- uh, Sean and Mankind is like a fucking classic, man, from from Mind Games, and people couldn't look at it now. But, oh, just Mankind and Sean, but trust me, Mankind changed Shawn Michaels that night. He made him fight a different style. He wasn't Bulldog. He wasn't Owen Hart. Mankind was more that grimy, me and you going to get it on. And yeah. that really flipped Shawn Michaels uh, up in that time. So, Because um, wasn't Shawn getting ready to go getting a D-Generation X with Triple H? No, at that time... Sean was champion, and then Sean was gonna drop the belt really soon to uh, uh, Psycho Sid at the Garden. Got you. And that's where they booed Shawn Michaels out, out the building because it's New York. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yo, New York is a tough crowd. Oh my goodness! Listen, man, if you're a good guy and they don't like you, they're gonna boo you out the building. Whether you're a wrestler, a basketball player, it don't matter. They're gonna tell you how it is. And that night, Survivor Series 96, they were cheering for Psycho Sid, bro. And Sean was, he knew it. He knew it. He, that, that time, fans were changing on the good guy because, mind you, NWO is, is going on. They're doing their own thing. And yeah, it's man. Like, man, I'm not. I'm not feeling Sean right now. Not me, but the fan. I'm not feeling Sean right now. I like Psycho yeah, nobody, Sid right now. Nobody was feeling Sean because, like you said, and the, the NWO changed the whole. They changed the game. Like they was like, "Yo, right. we're gonna be the cool. We're gonna be the cool bad guys. We're gonna we're gonna do what we want." And all that all that cartoon shit Vince was doing, all that. Nah, everybody was like, "Nah, nah, get this get this get this boy toy out of here." <laughs> <laughs> but you know, and 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 the latter part of this era is where you start seeing the development of. Stone Cold. You get Bret Hart coming back from WrestleMania 12. You get Sean as champion. Psycho Sid is a major factor. Uh, Taker, Vader, Mankind. Um, you know, Hunter Hearst Helmsley is climbing right. up the ladder. Rock is going to join the nation at some point. So, you know, this era did not begin well, but I think it, it well, it ended very strong because, you know, you, you, you get to the Attitude Era which I'll stop right here, but the, you know, the development, the pathways to that era was laid at the late, uh, at the later part of this new generation era. So you get the heart foundation, you get Brett turning heel, you get stone cold, good doing whatever the, the hell he wants. You start to, you start planting the seeds for an Austin McMahon feud that will last for like three, four years. So, for for those who want to shit on this era, you have every right to. But I think yeah, it it, it ended it ended very strong though, very very strong. Yeah, like yeah, like being this era, like now that we we go through memory lane. Yeah, you're right. This era, woof, it had it had us where the up the upside. Well, the negative side outweighs the the upside on the. On that era, because like between putting together the the cards and you know having just just overall just it was just bad. It was just bad. But what they did give us, you know, between the between these inc- the, the the matches that set the tone for the future. But like, yeah, 
WrestleMania 9 and 11. Garbage-ass WrestleManias. Terrible. You know, the whole the whole Lex Luger project, you know, trying to transform Lex Luger into Hulk Hogan 2.0. And then he went and took his ass to WCW Monday Nitro. Um, not crowning him WWE champion. Um, not giving Yokozuna his crowning achievement for, you know, from coming all the way from winning the Rumble to getting to the main event, you know, like it, it was, it was, and then, you know, the, the way they was catering to the kids and everything, it was just bad. But on a positive note, they gave us Shawn Michaels, they gave us Bret Hart, gave us Kevin Nash. Yep. You know, gave us that iconic match, iconic ladder match between Shawn Michaels and Razor Ramon. You know, we got the Iron Man, classic Iron Man match between mm-hmm. Sean and, and Brett. Um, yeah, and then, you know, the In Your House, the In Your House pay-per-views, which which was, a, you know, which were gem, like underrated gems for me, you know, because um, it's, it's crazy. Um, I grew up on In Your always watching In Your House, aside from like WWF Superstars and Monday Night Raw. Like, In Your House was like a, staple in my house so uh yeah watch a lot of those cards but yeah like just that era now that you know walking down memory lane it was just like ugh <laughs> yeah because like, it, it, it's um like it, it definitely gets lost in the, in, in the shuffle because as a fan I know Attitude Era I know Golden Era I know Rufus Aggression Era and the PG era, but the the new generation era gets lost in that shuffle because it gets a bad rap. And again, I agree that it should to a degree, but you you, you cannot leave out what it brought because you you just mentioned ladder matches, uh, hell in a cell matches. Like people could actually really think the hell in a cell started in the, in the Attitude era, and I'm like, no, it did not. It, it started late nope. late '97 at, yep. ba- at Bad Blood in your house, Sean and Taker. That was new generation. To me, new generation caps off at the Montreal school job. After that, we are in attitude era mode from that from that point on. So Montreal was the cap of that era. I think it ended strong. It it, it created a high profile of talent that the WCW was not doing at that time. They were they were just riding high from NWO. Cool, right. I get it. But that right there is is what catapulted the company to win the ratings, you know, at, at some point down the road and just having like a roster of talent. Um, even the debut of Kane is like, it, it, that happened in New Generation. <laughs> it yeah. happened in that era. Like, you know, you could say Jericho was has the greatest debut of all time, but look, look, fam, listen, that Kane debut, like... Well, that was top that five was tough. for me. That was tough. I was like, yo, who this? Wait, hold on. Time <laughs> Wait, who is who? Because we, like, before Kane dropped on the scene, it was like Undertaker was the boogeyman of pro wrestling. Like, yeah. nobody wanted to shoot the five with him until Kane came. And it was like, oh, shit. Yeah. Hold up. Wait, wait. Where they found him at? And then he just started. He just started wreaking havoc. Yo, man, the, o- the only one, the only one I wanted to smoke with Taker was Mankind. That was the only one yeah. until King got there. Yeah, and then we saw what happened with Undertaker and Mankind. 
crazy. Threw him off the cell, but like crazy. Yeah. Like came like and and that's crazy that we got him in the new generation because I honestly thought as a kid we was not getting another boogeyman. It was just like, all right, it's just gonna be Taker. He's gonna be like he was gonna be the Freddy Krueger of wrestling, and mm-hmm. that was it. But then once Kane came on, it was like, all right, shit's about to between between Kane arriving and then Brett getting some attitude about him, mm. you know, after the Montreal screw job, like a lot that went on in the like like a lot of t- a lot of events because of the way that um, Vince was running the Federation and the roster, we started getting more uh, blue chippers in the roster. Mm. Like those, like had we not had the new generation era, we would have not gotten the Attitude Era. Uh, to be the competition for WCW. No, you're right. You're right. I, I think this era, um, this era, the latter part prepared a lot of people. Like, all right, well, what we were doing '94, '95, '93 was okay, but it, it's not. It's not going to cut it in '97, '98, '99, 2000. We 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 got to do something and. To their credit, they, they, they knew what was going on. They flipped the switch, and that's where you start you start seeing these kind of more uh, gimmick matches that we mentioned. There was even also a um, like an ECW kind of thing they had in there for for a month or two. Like right. they, they knew they knew the time was uh, was changing. They had to keep up with with the NWO and WCW, and without. Brett becoming what he became and Sean and the, the, the evolution of Taker, adding Kane to be his brother, Mankind, uh, Vader, and all these guys really played a, a big monu- monumental part. The Rock, the Nation of Domination being, I think, the first faction I think I could remember in a while forming at that point. Oh, I, I, you know, there was no there was no other stables at that time until the Nation came in. Um and then you have these big WrestleMania matches and these cards. And, bro, you get Austin and Brett at WrestleMania 13. That is yeah. new generation era. That is a top three, top two WrestleMania match of all time. And that happens in this era, too. So, um, yeah. it's crazy, uh, man. That, that match between Austin and Brett, like, you want to talk about grit. And you want to talk, like... Just that 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 match for me, like you said, it was a top three match, and it personified it personified like the attitude era, like leading into like just seeing seeing Austin and the Sharpshooter and not tapping and bleeding out and and, and having that never say die attitude. It was just like like. God damn, and like you said, you had the Nation of Domination. We are, uh, we had Armin Johnson, like and, yeah, like woof. Ahmed like, Farouk. Damn. They 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 turned Papa Shango into Kama and the Godfather. <laughs> the Rock is a bad guy now. He's he's not smiling, and he has the feud with Stone Cold, and that goes on to be one of the best feuds of all time, and. Listen, man. They 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 eventually got it. It wasn't looking too bright in the beginning, in the mid '90s. But they eventually 
got it. They turned it up. They never looked back. I mean, things things are a lot different now. And the last thing I'll, I'll let you go with is that somebody told me on Twitter, I read it somewhere, I don't recall, but they were saying like how now it's kind of like a mirror image of the new generation era where it's like there is like no main megastar, a lot of good guys, a lot of small guys, athletic like the Shawns and the Bretts, like you get with Daniel Bryan and and Seth Rollins now and AJ. I will, I will say this, right? Because during my time, like having worked with WWE during SummerSlam, mm-hmm. they're like we like because when you look at TV, you don't see a whole lot of these guys. Like, all right, yo, these ain't mega stars. When I've seen Roman Reigns. Walk into a building mm. or press sign or anything, like the room fucking changes. Like, cause I, I, I was uh, was photographing a signing for WWE. This was during the SummerSlam week, cause they had me, they had me work the whole week from doing signings to actually working the uh, the event. Right. Both NXT and SummerSlam, and um. Man, Roman, and pe- people give him a lot of shit, but man, you want to talk about the guy? This like Roman's the like it's different than like because you're right. This is a ref- this is sort of a reflection of the new generation because they ain't a whole lot of like per se mega stars, mm-hmm. and and uh, we got a like it's like just how the roster performs. Like even the big guys are. Or like athletic, you know. Um, yeah. But Roman Reigns is the one who stands out. Like when he walks in a room, the dynamic of the room changes. Like I, I've seen this in person. People may uh, may not agree with this part of the show, but like seeing him walk in the room and walk in the room with a lot of people, I like. Whew, even in, even uh, when he battled uh, when he battled um, oh, what's his name? Fucking Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam. Yeah, man. People react. People react, but you're right. Like in terms of like the new generation, there's not too many. There's not a whole lot of stars that stand out. Like they not they not like really stand. And the whole who knows? Maybe I, I would like to think that now. Especially with this uh, pandemic, you know, WWE start crafting these guys, start preparing these guys to be a bit more larger than life. Because mm-hmm. I tell you what, when people start coming outside again, I would imagine that uh, like a lot of these champions now, they start becoming like larger than life again. I think this this going to be a blessing in disguise. Like right now, you know, we can't can't go to can't go to wrestling show, but like. When they open up outside again, they like, yo, it's on. <laughs> I think a lot of these guys are gonna start like we're gonna start seeing like, all right, who's really who can carry who who could really carry the toy? It's gonna it's gonna end up right back like the new generation. Where we start seeing more standout stars, we'll see more standout wrestlers start breaking out and becoming more more uh more stars. I, I think we're gonna we're gonna see a repeat of history again. 
Right. Um, but listen, man, I, I think this was a great show going down the rabbit hole of new generation era. Hopefully that we can spark some interest of people who want to go back and check out those matches from In Your House or WrestleMania or whatever, just to kind of see the kind of action that we had uh, growing up and the kind of matches that we were uh, accustomed to seeing. So um, I do want to thank you for coming on. Um, yeah, it was a, so it was like, a blast. We got to do this more. Yes, sir. So like in closing, if somebody my age or maybe younger or maybe older just want to say, hey, man, so like how would you describe, how would you put a cap on the new generation era in, in a short kind of uh, – you know, description. How would you how would you describe from a fan perspective or just a grown man now looking back on it, how would you describe the new generation era? The, to me, the new generation era was a bridge for one of the greatest eras of professional wrestling. It was a bridge. It was a bridge to get to the attitude era and the Monday Night Wars. Without, without the new generation era, we would not have gotten, wouldn't have, wouldn't have gotten the Attitude Era. We wouldn't have gotten um, WWE and WCW counter programming against each other. We wouldn't have got this. We wouldn't have got the best television in professional wrestling in modern professional wrestling history. If we didn't, if we didn't suffer through. If we didn't have the displeasure of suffering through the new generation era, we wouldn't have got. We would. We wouldn't have got the attitude era. We wouldn't have got WCW. We wouldn't have got Hollywood Hulk Hogan. We wouldn't have got uh, the Austin era. We wouldn't have got uh, one of the greatest rivalries in professional wrestling uh, with The Rock and Austin, and then you know we get Brett. We wouldn't have. Got, there was a whole lot of great things that wouldn't have happened if we had never got the uh, got the new generation era. So it was a bridge. It was a bridge to get to the attitude era, and that's what it represents for me. Listen, man. On that note, I thank you, man. You can find Anthony Gathers on Twitter at Brooklyn Sun. He's on Instagram at, at Anthony B Gathers. If you're looking for a dope sports photographer. Uh, that's a man to reach out to. So, Anthony, my man, I thank you and I appreciate it. Yeah, man, it was. We gotta do this more often. There's a lot of wrestling we gotta talk about. Yo, man, we, me, and you just did a five year period. That's it. <laughs> Yo, crazy, crazy how we cover five, a five year period. Exactly, a, a weird up and down period, slow in the beginning, but bro, that end. That's a crazy end, bro. And I know I might do a show on Attitude Era down the road, but this era right here, like you said, perfect perfect word is a bridge. The bridge from the golden to the attitude. And without this bridge, man, you're not getting a whole lot of stuff that we, that why 8 million people per Monday night was watching Raw and Nitro. You you know, you don't get that. Nah, yeah, yeah. We... If we if that ever didn't happen, we would still be getting Hulk Hogan versus Brutus Beef Beefcake. Yo, we'll we'll still be getting WrestleMania eleven. What's up? <laughs> I said <laughs> <laughs> we're getting know, WrestleMania eleven. Man, all I'm over never, again. never. Those are two WrestleManias 
never entertaining again. WrestleMania 9, WrestleMania 11, man. Go ahead, check it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, go check. Go, go have the displeasure of checking those two WrestleManias out. <laughs> Yo, man, Anthony, man, thank you, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, man, likewise. All right, man, take it easy. Uh, yep. All right.